Here's probably a really good example too. If you want to retire someday with a certain amount of money, it doesn't magically happen. Right. You've got to begin with the end in mind. Nope. You've got to say, what do I want? You have to look at how much time do I have? And you've got to forge a pathway to that goal. Right. And then intentionality says every day, moment by moment, I'm going to be mindful of what is it going to take to get me to where I want to go. And that's really what the model is trying to help people understand is achieving is virtually guaranteed. If you follow the path, our challenge is staying on the path. Well, I'd have been against it, but they're back. Mark and Mike, it doesn't take a genius. Herb, you, uh, I don't know if you get a chance to listen to the podcast, but it usually begins with Mike Marshall screaming my last name uh, to the point that now some of my clients, when they see me in public, say, Ramsey. So anytime that these episodes don't start with that, it means one of two things. Um, I'm talking by myself about something that I uh, am passionate about or I have an actual genius on It Doesn't Take a Genius. Oh, right. So anyway, listeners, welcome. Herb Mast, uh, who, uh, gosh, we've uh, we've known each other since roughly 2011 or so, 12, We're somewhere there, around there. Yeah. Sounds right. Um, so he's, uh, you know, beyond being a, a, a father, uh, a grandfather, a husband, uh, he is a coach and consultant primarily to car dealerships and herb remind me you were i know you were a general manager of at least one dealership but can, can you give us a little bit of your automotive uh you know sort of pedigree so it's important for people to understand i'm not a car guy uh, in the traditional sense and in fact when i was a general manager i advertised that way on the radio that i'm the non-car guy car guy and i had people coming into the store asking to meet with the non-car guy car guy beautiful hey, i really wanted to make a point yeah. um there's a stigma in the car industry that doesn't need to be there and we have an opportunity if we operate the way we should the right way uh in order to change that stigma and so i was a, a general manager for just under three years uh, i was not in the industry for a long time although i i will admit I've been an entrepreneur most of my life. Yeah, I was going to say, I, you've started when, several businesses. Yes. When I graduated from college uh, back in 1985, uh, I had the opportunity to go one of two directions, either to join General Motors, they were interviewing me, um, and or a major Canadian bank. I grew up in Vancouver, Canada. I live in Nebraska now. Right. And I decided to join the bank and not go the, the the car route. And I worked for the, the bank for three and a half years. Banking is not for me. I'm too entrepreneurial, uh, too creative, if you will. In fact, it was funny because I, every department I'd go into in the bank during a two-year management training program, I was trying to fix the department. And so that kind of tells you early what, what your passions are, right? Yeah. So I built a number of companies, largely because I had ideas and I wanted to bring those ideas to market and each of those companies and I built them and I sold them and I had opportunities to work with other companies. And then finally in uh, 2009, I had just sold a company, was finishing off some consulting with them to transition. 
And I had the opportunity to, uh, a car dealership group, small group, uh, said, hey, have you ever thought about the car business? And, I, you know, I was like, I don't think so. No. And, but I talked and, they, and I thought, okay, it might be very interesting. And so I got involved and I was kind of a, a guinea pig because in the car business, you tend to start at a very low position. You work your way up typically through sales yep. before you ever become a general manager. And the general manager is kind of the pinnacle for most people. Yep. And my very first job in the car business was general manager. And oh, so it blew a lot of people's minds. But this is an important point because this actually ties in very nicely to what defines my career now and why I wrote the book. Because, and I write, I, I mentioned this in the book, I was sitting interviewing each of the leadership uh, team members in the dealership. And I was talking to my general sales manager who was the previous general manager. Interesting dynamics, right? Okay. <laughs> so he's looking at me and says, so you don't have any experience in the car business? I said, no. And he says, what are you going to bring? Huh. And the idea always was, unless you are this big expert in the car business, but people move from dealership to dealership to dealership. And it's kind of, and I, I mean this kindly, but it's a little bit inbred. Right. And it's not always healthy. And so uh, I asked him, I said, so how long have you been in the car business? He said, 25 years. And he was very proud of this. And I said, well, what about the service manager? Well, he had been in for 30 years. Parts manager, 33 years. When I added it all up, it came up to about 120 years. Hmm. And so I just looked at him and I said, so you've got 120 years of experience in the car business on this leadership team. And this is where we're at. Hmm. So I'm going to bring the other stuff. So I kind of defined my career as a gap filler and dot connector. Because they bring 90, 95, 98%. And a, and a really great little analogy uh, that I just popped in my head the other day when I was talking to somebody, I said, think of the old radios. Remember how you had to turn the dials on the old radios? Yep. And if you weren't right on the station, yep. it was it could be crackly, it could be out of tune, it wasn't that great. And all you needed to do was a little adjustment and all of a sudden, boom, you had a great signal. Yeah. And that's a large part of, of how I see what I do. I, I don't need to bring a lot to the stores, but I do need to recognize where the gaps are, what dots need to be connected, um, the things that they're just not aware of. And so that's why I believe awareness yeah. is one of the greatest things we can ever get from anybody. And, and so as I wrote the book, more than anything, it was a compilation of a lot of the things that I've been working with stores in the past and said, how do I create something that they can now have when we talk about topics, but then they can dig deeper. And even when I'm not there that they can refer to. So, so you, uh, you said compilation and brother, you're right. I mean, this, this book, uh, so I've, I've got a copy, you've got a copy behind you, but intentionality for leaders, I love the uh, the you've sort of got two taglines on the front and it'll really set up what we're about to talk about here, because I just want you to unpack one part of the book. Right. It's, it's just so dense uh, beyond mere talk and actionless goal setting and good intentions to real and sustainable results. And then you add 
why and how some people, teams and leaders achieve more and how you can too. So this is this is a right. book about results and and your argument is that the path is is through intentionality. Correct. I want to talk about the your your model that you came up with about intentionality, but I have to ask you this first. Um this book is really dense and I did get the pleasure of reading a, a you know a pre-release copy and I remember sending you some feedback basically saying are you sure you want to do this like there's like maybe five books in here uh okay, and right. you know it's it's just it's just um it's not the typical business book where you know it's it's the fad book of the year and everybody reads the first three chapters and they get the gist and you move on. Every single chapter has at least a nugget. And, and if you're a fan of this podcast, it's it's the kind of nuggets that we talk about here. It's it's the kind of stuff where it's very it's it's insight that leads to action. It's something very practical. You've absorbed a lot of really good books. You've had a lot of great experiences and you've made it very practical on a chapter by chapter basis and short chapters, by the way. And right. and and so so I guess l let me let you defend your case because obviously you know you're you're right about this but why why make this one book why not have like five different books here you could you could have just spaced this out a little more and and spread out the wealth it's so dense yeah. so I I didn't get into the process to say how do I write books and now uh, have a career of being an author yeah. I really wrote this as as a field guide some have said as a yeah. as a tool if you will yeah. that people can uh take they can read they can absorb the principles uh and so i i had kind of a pathway if you will that i was i was following uh very similar to the pathway that i i work with clients on okay. and, and so i start out with a general perspective of what is intentionality yeah. And then I lay a lot of foundational principles so that you can even understand how to execute on the, some of the stuff. Because if uh, the model itself comes down to a, a, a basic understanding of, of, of two things, well, let's say three things. Number one is there is science, the second law of thermodynamics, that says if you do nothing, guaranteed things will get worse. Yeah. Nothing gets better on its own. And so it requires us to take action in order to, to improve, to get more, to get to where we want to go. Mm -hmm. And, and so the realization, everybody has to realize that it's going to get worse unless you actively do something. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately in life, too many people talk about what they want to do yep. and don't take the action because that's where second part of science comes in. Our brain is, is all about rational thought and emotional thought, but it's the emotional thought. It's that limbic part of your brain that drives three times more action. And so I don't always feel like it. And when I don't feel like it, it requires me to be very intentional. But intentional is not enough. It needs, again, that action piece. So intentionality was a word. Um I just came, I thought I came up with it. I was standing in a, in a conference room of clients and I'm writing on the whiteboard. A lot of what I do is whiteboarding. And I, I, I wanted to make a point about how we get to where we want to go. And I wrote the word intentionality on the whiteboard. I, I stepped back and I looked at the, at the group and I said, I don't even know if that's a word. 
but it seems to fit. And I later looked it up in the dictionary and sure enough, intentionality was a word. But ever since then, I've been on this pathway to help people understand what intentionality is. And so the model really breaks down into this first understanding of, hey, everything's going to get worse on its own. Mm-hmm. It's going to be that downward spiral. And on the cover of the book, I've got this, this dot line that goes all over the place. Yeah. The second principle is it requires action to go in a different direction. Mm-hmm. But that action does require energy. And that's why a lot of times we don't do it because it takes energy. And um, I won't get into the elephant, the rider uh, metaphor, but that elephant in us, and this is maybe a teaser for people to go, well, what do you mean by the elephant? Yeah. Uh, there's an elephant in us that just doesn't want to do stuff. Right. And it, it, you know, we've got to encourage that elephant. So in order to get to where we want to go, it requires action. But the starting point in all of this is philosophy. Now, that's a fancy word. Uh, a lot of people think, oh, philosophy, that's like a really deep side. It's just a simple way of saying, hey, what do you really believe? Not what do you talk about and tell people that you believe. You can tell what people believe by their actions. Yeah. And so unless your philosophy is aligned with the actions you want to take, the rest is just not going to happen. And so you got to start out with the foundational principles and understanding of what do I really believe? And once you align your beliefs, the rest of it is, and, and, and I do get into a formula uh, called the intentionality formula, where I try to give people a very simple framework, if you will, for taking any situation and breaking it down into the steps that need to be action. And, and you're, um, that's, that is, I wanted to get that out there, that there is a, there is a formula. It's got eight parts. It's very, um, I mean, you could sit down and do a diagnostic on yourself or on your team or on your, your organization with it. Um, and, and so you, you've talked about, you know, there are these principles that make the early chapters. It ends with this, this formula in between you have this model. And so I, I really wanted to, to talk about the model. Um, yeah. One of the things you say in the book is that, you know, you, you can, you can take positive actions that are basically just as easy to do as uh, not taking any action or uh, taking a negative action. And, and that that's what keeps us on our trajectory is, is being able to take those, those little steps. Uh, you give the example of, um, uh, of an elevator versus stairs. You know, that, that those are just little steps, just little steps that you can take. Uh, you might as well take the stairs if you have, uh, you know, if, if that helps you toward your goal of, of some fitness, uh, you know, target that you're trying to hit. And it, a, a lot of... Well, just let me pause you there real quick. Because we say a fitness target. Think yeah. about life. Think about how we perform at our best. Um, there is a certain degree of health, if you will, that is required. And and I'm going to give uh, Patrick Lencioni a plug in here because he really helped to capture the essence of how important a general health is yeah. in, in his book, The Advantage, where he says organizational health yeah. trumps everything else in business and contrasts the difference between smart and healthy Smart people don't get healthier, healthier people get smarter. And so in the book, what I'm what I'm really trying to drive home is, let me give you a practical example. So I'm on the road a lot. The only way I can sustain 
the pace that I have on the road is to be fit, to be healthy, um, and to to be able to engage properly uh, with my with my audience, my clients. I have to run for a plane every now and then because I get delayed and I'm going to miss my flight. Yep. And and if I had not been working out, I wouldn't be able to do that. So already knowing what is the end that I want to be able to do these things, I then have to say, what are the steps that I need to take to get there? And that's why the front of the book, you see this upward uh, arcing with check marks and saying, hey, what are you doing? Perfect example, though, this morning. Uh, I got home, I think I got into bed by about quarter to 12 last night. I was in Georgia, uh, flew home, and 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 this morning, I didn't feel like getting up and exercising, but I knew that if I don't have a certain cadence of exercise, then I'm not going to be able to sustain the, the goals, the results that I ultimately want to achieve. Yeah. And so intentionality forces me or says, yeah, you don't feel like it. It's not going to be a big deal if you miss it one day. Well, then it's not a big deal when you miss it a second day and a third day. And pretty soon you're, you're out, right? And that's exactly what happens every year with people and New Year's yeah. is they, they make these resolutions. That's the actionless goal setting, right? Yeah. They, 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 they say these things that they want to do, but they don't have a plan of attack and they don't have this understanding that our minds are weak and, and our minds just want to relax and don't want to do stuff. But then later we realize what we missed out. So walking the stairs. Yeah. Having a mindset of, I can take the stairs, I can take the elevator, I am going to take the stairs because it gives me free exercise. Yeah. But it's just as easy to do one or the other. Yeah. I'm going to choose, and that's the key. Yeah, and and uh, you make such a great point about laying in your bed and talking to yourself. And uh, I always think of the, the Bible verse in Jeremiah that says, uh, the heart is deceitful above all things and uh, desperately wicked. Who can know it? And and right. I take from that, you know, uh, it's hard to even know your own heart. You know, you'll you'll lie to yourself. You know, you'll absolutely. absolutely lie to yourself if it serves your short-term, you know, selfish interests, unless you've got uh, a very intentional plan with a with a with a goal and a why and a reason behind it. So okay, so I, I it's it's going to be hard for us to to step through this with with people not seeing the the nice graph you have, but I want to. Uh, I, I want to highlight that that your your model takes place over time, and you say yeah. time is one of the elements at play here. And I think really what you're saying is the realization that I've got this time, and and uh, I've, I've got 24 hours, and everybody else has 24 hours. What am I going to do with with the with the time given to me? Is that a fair? Uh, yes, and in fact, here's a couple quotes. Um, one is by John Wooden. Mm -hmm. uh, the greatest uh, college basketball coach of all time. Mm -hmm. And he said um, that greatness is about what you learn after you think you know it all. So mm -hmm. number one, we've got to stay open to what do I need to learn? What I just don't know everything yet. And the more you, the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. Right. But, but the other uh, quote has to do with, and I, I I think is in John Hardy's book, um, The Compound Effect, where he says, success or greatness is achieved by people in the gaps that others waste. 
Ooh, yeah. So in the time that most people are wasting is when successful people are doing stuff because we we all have 24 hours a day. We all have 60 minutes in an hour, 60 seconds in a minute. Right. And the question is, what are you doing with that time? Are you sitting there on your phone just fumbling away in social media or are you actively engaged in the work that you're doing? And, and so I think too much in life, in life, we're drifting instead of making intentional choices and taking intentional action. And so the model says, you've all got the same amount of time. And I get it. It's just as easy not to do it as it is to do it. So the first awareness is, if you don't do it, you're guaranteed to get less. Yeah, love that. So that that's yeah. uh Moses said teach us to number our days right you know if, if I knew how many days I had I'd I'd count my days and I'd make my days count I think there's a yeah. song that talks about that um well so so you let's go back to the philosophy that would undergird this whole thing you you said philosophy yeah. you know it's it's what we really believe what we really believe you um you give a lot of examples there you've already brought up the elephant you know sort of this emotional part of your brain that that is three times more likely to, uh, or what's it's going to drive three times the amount of, of behavior. Uh, we could probably yeah. talk about, you know, we, we've we talked about the elephant on the podcast before. We've talked about Simon Sinek's start with why. Um, if, if you were going to give us a, uh, maybe a nugget to say, okay, you've got to get this part right to get this whole process going, to get the whole model working for you. What would you say about philosophy? Okay, so... Another author, and, and hey, just so we're clear, there's very little original in the world. Right. Um, it's just like a restaurant. A great restaurant is not because they have come up with new ingredients. Right. They've come up with a way to bring existing ingredients that are available to everybody into something that people like and, and like to eat. And so, yeah. so from a philosophy standpoint, this is probably the most powerful way that I can put it. We often rely on this thing called willpower. Mm -hmm. and willpower means that I have this idea, I want to do it. And, and, and in fact, the science will tell you that willpower is, is, is depleting. You, by trying to will something, it, it takes energy and you just, it's like holding on to a bar eventually you're and, and, and hanging from it. Eventually you're going to fall because you, your hands just can't hold on long enough. Hmm. And the difference though with philosophy is said to be why power. So cynics start with why, what is your why power? Hmm. And, and when you're clear on what you want to achieve. And for me, I give two examples in my book. One is about when I shattered my wrist falling from a ladder mm -hmm. and, and recognizing that I think I was 49 at the time. I may not ever play golf again. And some people don't really care about that. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but that was a big part of what I love to do. And I realized that if I was going to be able to do what I wanted to do into the future, and the doctor says, it's up to you, use pain as your guide. And I rehabbed my wrist. I never went to rehab. I rehab based on what they told me to do. And, and now I'm playing better golf than before, not because, but in spite of, by being committed to my why. And so, 
everybody in life has got to figure out what is important to them. Yeah. And then hold on to that and realize, um, here's probably a really good example too. If you want to retire someday with a certain amount of money, it doesn't magically happen. Right. You've got to begin with the end in mind. Nope. You've got to say, what do I want? You have to look at how much time do I have? And you've got to forge a pathway to that goal. Right. And then intentionality says every day, moment by moment, I'm going to be mindful of what is it going to take to get me to where I want to go. And that's really what the model is trying to help people understand is achieving is virtually guaranteed. If you follow the path, our challenge is staying on the path and why power empowers us to stay on the path so and you you make uh this point you didn't use these words but it, it got me thinking about this that um you know like a, I, i'm a i'm a christian i yeah. have a goal of getting to heaven i have a goal of being right. with jesus permanently well yeah. uh i would like to tell you that i think i think given the cinematic movie moment i would step in front of a bullet to save my wife and kids maybe even a right. stranger. I'd love to tell you that I would do that. I pray that that, that would be the case. Um, I cannot tell you that if my wife is grouchy today, I'm not going to retaliate and be grouchy back. It's, right. it's, that's the gap, right? That's that's that right. gap you're talking about in, in the 24 hours that I'm given. And I, I think Oswald Chambers calls that daily drudgery. You know, it's, sure. it's these little things. Yep. And the why power Man, when I'm when I'm aware of that and being intentional about that, I'm a lot more likely to with these little steps that I'm taking, you know, stay stay on the path to to use yeah. your words. Yeah, love that. And if you're not thinking about it, it's just like with your wife. Um, my wife and I just celebrated 40 years this year. Oh, and congratulations! You don't do that just by taking every day for granted, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. You got to talk about this stuff. You you got to be committed to each other. You got to recognize when you are grouchy uh, and we all know it, right? We all know it and we're faced with a choice. Yeah. And, and so in my model, I also say that when we're on the path downward, there comes that point in time where we have the opportunity to make a choice. Right. Are we going to get onto the right path or are we going to allow ourselves to keep going down the wrong way? Yeah. And so that's the point of ownership. Are we going to own our situation or are we just going to allow life to own us? So it's so funny the way I was actually thinking about this when I read the book, that um, a lot of this boils down to naming, which is a big, uh, a big hang up for me uh, uh, with with classical education being sort of the, the thing that turns my crank. You know, a lot of a lot of education starts with grammar. It starts with yep. naming things and being able to categorize things. And and in two ways, you just mentioned naming. The one is that I need to get really clear with my why. I need to name the the you know not not maybe maybe I should expand that and say not just my why, but not just my purpose has to be named. But I have to name how uh, I'm going to get there. The the things that are important to me, the values that are important to me, and get really clear about that so that I can make good choices and and attitudes and decisions as I go through my my walk. But at the same time, I'm going to walk off the path and I've got right. to name that. I've got to say, wait a minute. And I think anybody who has practiced meditation has had, you know, that that coaching that says, hey, you're going to notice that you're getting distracted. Name it. Don't 
Don't get judgmental about yourself. Just say, oh, I'm getting off the path. Let me step back on the path. So both of those are ways that we're we're really just spending time saying, okay, wait a minute. Let's name what I want to be. Let's name what's going on right now. And let's let's get that path carved out. Yeah, I think the naming is so important for uh, getting clarity yeah. for ourselves uh, as to what we really mean. And, and here, here's a challenge, for instance, in the car business. The car business is driven by money. Um, every Everybody gets a piece somehow mm -hmm. of, of the puzzle, uh, whether it's a commission, whether it's a flat rate technician, whether it's a bonus, a spiff, or, or, or something else. And too often in business, we talk about the money side of things. Um, instead of naming the real why behind it. Mm -hmm. And I often make a provocative statement uh, when I'm in front of a group and I say, so I don't believe it's about the money and I don't believe it's ever about the money. Hmm. Money is a medium of exchange. The question is, why do we want the money? What are we going to do with the money? Yeah. And we need to name what that real thing is because for one person, they might be in debt and they want to get out of debt. Another person might want to buy a house, never been able to buy a house and they've been renting and they, they want to do that. Another person might be putting their kids through college, another one having a vacation. What is the why of why they want to have the money? And when a leader uh, identifies the why behind the person working in the job and, and earning the money, we can now talk about something that is more tangible and that, that is, is, is more powerful and motivating people. And, and you get into like Daniel Pink, who talks about the science behind what really motivates us. Right. Money's rational. It doesn't motivate like people think it motivates. There's a whole bunch of other elements um, uh, mastery and autonomy and a sense of purpose that really drive people's behavior. And so that's why naming is, is so important because otherwise very generic, we get lost in that. When it's defined, we can now focus and we can bring ourselves back to what we're doing and why we're doing. Yeah. Is it fair to say I've already thought about it? So now I don't have to think about it as I take some of these steps or is that going too far? I think it's just critical that we stay focused. Um, we, we, we're going to fall off the path. There's no question. They, uh, the downward pull to, to failure, to less, to whatever, that happens not only naturally, there is a pull in that direction. You think of it like gravity. Yeah. Whether you realize it or not, we're being pulled down, and life has a way of pulling our, us down. And, and just like sitting in the chair like you are there, unless you choose and actually take the action to get out of the chair, you're going to be sitting there and you'll die in that chair. Yeah. And so life is like that. And we all, every single day, it's almost like we have to beat our bodies into submission to yeah. ultimately do the things that we that we want to do. And and the things we want to do, you you talk about it in the model as you know, success is getting more of the things you want, more more of what right. you want, um, and failure is you know the opposite of that, getting less of what you want. And that point of ownership is what we've been talking about, naming what's happening and saying, okay, wait a minute, I'm going to make a choice to go back. Could you could you talk really, you know, I, I guess this is maybe the last part we ought to cover, but the 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 actions that we can do, yeah, the things that we can do to sort of keep us in the moment by moment on that path um, 
they are, uh, you know, you've described them as as easy to do as not to do. Right. And and they but but it's not um, I mean, like we said, you know, human nature kicks in here. You know, the the heart is deceitful above all things. I, I will I, I will happily stray off the path if I if I don't have that focus. So you, you mentioned several things uh, about, you know, habits and so on that can help us. Uh, stay on the path. Do you want to sort of maybe give a, a little bit of a laundry list just to tease some of <laughs> some of the the nuggets that people can get out of the book? Sure. So this is where it gets a little bit back to the the, the formula, right? Yeah. So we can understand the the theory of the model. The question is now, how do I actually put it into practice? Yeah. And that's why I, I lay out the the model and I say, hey, listen. If you break it down into actionable steps, too often we don't do things because we're not aware of what is having the impact on us, mm -hmm. right? Um, for a weight loss person, we all eat every day. But if I'm not aware of what is in the food I'm eating and how many calories are in the food I'm eating, I could very easily overeat. Mm -hmm. If I have a limited amount of money, and unless I'm aware of where I'm spending that money, I could easily overspend. And again, that downward means I'm going to go into debt. Yeah. So the formula is saying, hey, you can break down any situation into its eight components and look at which of those components needs the action. Because human nature is to do the things that come easily and yeah. more naturally. And, and a general manager I work with said it this way, some things in life come natural. For everything else, you need intentionality. You don't need to think about what comes natural. But if you want to accomplish with things that aren't natural, you need to focus on what are the things that require the action? What are the steps I'm going to take? And when we arm ourselves with the awareness that, hey, listen, uh, do I even have a plan? Too many people hope for but don't have a plan. Yeah. So do you have a plan? Is that plan executable? The second part is, do I have the tools, the resources, the team, the talent, if you will, to get it done? And are those people, especially in teams, are they engaged? Well, there are four th things right there to, to be able to work on. And then, you know, are people committed? Are, they, are we getting the feedback? Are we actually making changes? So, you know, your podcast title is, is beautiful because... It does not require you to be a genius. Right. Intentionality, in fact, says, hey, listen, anybody can do this. Here is a pathway yeah. for you to become a leader. Here's an actionable pathway. I'll, I'll, I explain what the principles are. I lay out the model so you understand the theory. I give you a formula to be able to break things down. And then if you really want to be a great leader, I give you the three intentionalities of a great leader and and it becomes simplistic and everybody here's a model. I want to leave you a visual to leave you with as, as a final thought. We have step ladders with steps that are a certain distance apart. Mm -hmm. All of us would like to have this, the ability like Superman to leap tall structures. Yeah. But that's not who we are. We need step ladders. Intentionality is giving us the rungs of the step ladder so that we can very simply take the steps, not three feet apart, just the right distance apart so we can actually make those, those steps. And, that, and that's ultimately what intentionality is all about and what I try to lay out in the book.
I, I love that. One more question about the book, yeah. and this is just me being a, a fellow professional, being curious. Uh, like I have done an exercise where I've I've explained autonomy, mastery, and purpose, and I've had yeah. everybody in the room rate how motivating each of those things are to them. And what I'm always fascinated by is how radically different the answers are in the room. I mean, if on a scale of one to 10, I'll have three people give this one 10, three people give this one 10, three people give this one 10. They're just motivated different ways. It's it's sort of like money, right? Like what what's the money for? Well, for each of them, it's different. Do you find with the formula and the eight steps there, do you find that that has a similar reception that that it just depends on who's in the room and, and what's going on with each individual where they say, oh, that step, that's the one I was missing. And the, and the guy next to him will say, oh, my gosh, it was this other step that was so impactful for me. I think with teams, it's a, it's, it's a little bit more empirical than that. Hmm. Um, a lot of times with teams, it's not because we're working towards a specific objective as a team. Yeah. And, and so I think the, the formula gives you a way to break down what we are all experiencing together. Now, having said that, I do take each member of a team, I, I give them the formula, I help them understand the formula, but then I ask each member of the team individually to rate each of the elements on a scale of one to 10. Mm -hmm. And we can talk about the science behind one to 10 and how it's the, the, the emotional brain and you're, you know, instead of having to have all the metrics, you can get to answers without having to know what the answers are. It's a right. feeling. But with a team, what you do with that formula is you get everybody to rate each of those areas to say, where do you feel we need to put our attention? Mm -hmm. And based on what everybody's rating is, you'll come up with some sense of where predominantly the team feels we need to start because you just can't do everything. And too often we try to do everything. We need to start somewhere, start chipping away uh, at, at the areas that need work. So for a team, they're going to collectively come together around one. Correct. Yeah, love that. Correct. Love that. Yeah. Well, so Herb, uh, the book is Intentionality for Leaders by Herb Mast. Uh, remind me, is it healthydealer.com? Healthydealer.com. It's okay. available on Amazon uh, or on healthydealer.com. Uh, and on healthydealer.com, I've got a lot of free resources as well um, that people your, can take. Your website in. is, it's it's embarrassing how many riches you have on that website. Uh, well, thank you. It, it, it's, uh, yeah, it it makes the the deceitful heart in me uh, jealous. It's it's great. <laughs> um, and, and I'll just point out, that uh, a, a veritable who's who of cool people have reviewed this book and also me. Uh, but yes. I, I just really like the fact that uh, Mark Harrison Ramsey has uh, mentioned uh, giving praise for this book on the inside covers, uh, really close to Patrick Lencioni himself yeah. giving praise yes. for this book. So super cool for you. Uh, really, really excited that this book exists. But anyway, we, we had been meaning to get you on for uh, a long time and, and we're glad that this finally worked out. Um, just in closing, I have to ask you, because believe it or not, it's come up before on this podcast, but you were in Vancouver. When did you leave? Uh, we left in 2003. Okay. Did did you, I'm, I'm just going to throw this out here. It's probably going to be a no. Did you ever rub elbows with William Gibson, the famous cyberpunk author who uh, takes up residence in Vancouver? Did you ever rub I, elbows I with did, him? I did not. I tried. But I, tried. I will tell you that uh, Brian Adams... Yeah, uh, and, and uh, he went to school uh, almost in my backyard. Oh, is that right? <laughs> yeah. 
Well, G Gibson, we've quoted several times. Mike, Mike lets me do geeky things periodically, and we've had to quote him several times about artificial intelligence and right. his his uh, his thoughts on sort of the the, uh, the modern society. But anyway, Herb, just uh, phenomenal. Uh, thank you so much for doing this, and we very much uh, look forward to uh, talking with you again. Because I mean, honestly, we just scratched the surface of what you have here. So thank you. Appreciate it, Mark. Always enjoy it. And that's it. Join us next time when you'll hear Mike say, well, I'm sure he'll say something pithy. Don't miss it. Next time, it doesn't take a genius. That's good enough.